Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our day two of week of prayer. Um, I'm so glad that I came here on time, and I'm so thankful for Glenn and uh, Andrew. I I don't know why, but I felt the atmosphere change, and um, I believe that the spirit is present here. Um, just when they sang and uh, when they praised, it really resonated with me. Um, There's a quote from Oswald Chambers, and it writes, it's from the, uh, My Omnis for His Highest. It writes, prayer does not equip us for greater works. Prayer is the greater work. And uh, the speaker for us today, I believe that God is doing such greater work in our life. And uh, when our pastoral staff uh, made a decision to have our week of prayer, and when Pastor Richard recognized, said, is there anyone that you want to recommend? She was the first person on my mind. And I know that um, God is truly visible in our life. And uh, she's mother of three beautiful children and a wife to a hus- uh, uh, an awesome husband. And she's just a giant in my life as a prayer warrior. And I'm very privileged to introduce to us this evening uh, Rosemary I don't know how to say the last name. <laughs> you can say yes. it any way you yes. want. I say it three different ways. So. And so <laughs> I'm going to just let my words be few and invite <laughs> our speaker to the front. So if okay. we could give our <laughs> warm round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. Ah. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, Thank you very much for having me tonight, um, for giving me a chance to think about prayer in my life intentionally. Can I have you guys squeeze in so we're feeling close and I don't feel like I'm alone and I don't have to use my um, peripheral vision? I have to make a little uh, disclaimer and a little confession. When Pastor Richard texted me over a month ago, it was probably pre-holidays. might have been before Thanksgiving, I think. It was either before Thanksgiving or right after. He texted me, Rosemary, would you like to be a speaker for our week of prayer? And I ignored the text (laughs) for about two to three days. And then I felt guilty for not replying, I'll think about it, I'll pray about it, you know. And I just started working for the first time in, I have three kids now, the oldest just turned seven and the youngest is two and a half and we keep trying to potty train but I I just, my willpower breaks and then I'm like, "Eh, we'll just come back to it. So I, I just started working just a few hours a week which was a big deal. But on my way to work is my alone time, and I drive slow for that reason. And so I thought of Pastor Richard, and I thought, oh, this is my chance to call him and tell him what I'm feeling. So I called him, and I said, Pastor Richard, it's Rosemary. I have 10 minutes to talk. I want you to know that I didn't ignore your text. I've been thinking about it. But before I say yes, I want to tell you I am not a woman of prayer. I don't pray at least in the way I used to. But I need you to know how I pray now, because if you're okay with that, then I'll say yes. 
to sharing my story. And he was okay with it. So you should be okay with it. <laughs> um, I, I grew up with prayer as a second language in my home, to a fault. Uh, I grew up with a father who prayed all day long at the top of his lungs. Wherever you were in the house or outside the house, you could hear him pacing the house when he was stressed, and he would be shouting three things. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you ever meet him in person, which I think Eric has, he might have said that to you when he met you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And he'll pat you hard on the back while he's saying it. And that's his prayer constantly. It's like his way of coping with life. And that was the part of prayer in my daily life to the point where my sister and I, whenever we were sick, we would hide our illnesses from our father because if I let my dad know that my head hurt or my stomach hurt or I was feeling sick, he'd say, come here, come here. And he would want to put his hands on it and in the name of Jesus be healed. And we just hated it because it, you know, I felt like we were only healed because he pushed the pain out, you know, with his strong hands, heavy hands. And You know, and even, um, you know, petty things like, I need help with my math homework. Let's pray about it. Oh, really? (laughs) You know, um, so that was kind of my impression of prayer since the day I was born. And it was very loud and powerful and, you know, mm, you know, it felt very possessive. You know, he possessed his prayers. And then on the other hand, my mother was the opposite. She was a very emotional prayer. The minute she would say, Hananim, she would just start crying and sobbing. So it was like bipolar prayers in my household growing up. And my sister and I, however, because we grew up in that, we embraced it, of course. But we had two ways to pray, to pray loud or to pray quiet and cry, you know. But I I realized that those were good things for me growing up. Um, I really took prayer seriously as a child. Um, If any of you have seen the documentary Jesus Camp, has anyone seen it? You've seen it? I will tell you, that documentary is me as a child. My parents believed in prayer so much that they would send us to church camps everywhere in the southern part of California since I was able to be by myself. You know, like they sent, I think the first church camp that they sent us to was when I was in second grade. And it was a week long, and it was all about prayer. And I grew up in a family who still loves God so much. And he loved, they love God so much that they're willing to see God everywhere and anywhere. So I grew up in every denomination under Christianity. So I, at one point, and it was, whether it was through school or church. So at one, I remember one year I was saying Hail Marys in a uniform in a Catholic school in third grade while we attended a Pentecostal church on Sundays. But God was still there. And I learned how to pray with the Catholic friends I had that year. And I learned how to pray with all my Pentecostal friends that spoke in tongues. My my prayer life was very broad as a child and as a middle schooler and as a high schooler and as a college student. And I share all these stories with you about prayer because 
my life as an adult has changed my prayer life. I think my prayer life changed the most when I had kids. And I see prayer so much more differently now. Um, I still pray, but I don't pray in the way that we all grew up or that we're used to praying. It's not always with my eyes closed and my hands folded and my head bowed. It's not always, dear God, I'm sorry, please help me, thank you, you know. Those are things that, to me, feel so robotic when it comes to prayer, and it feels so isolating and alone. And I don't want God to feel like a lonely place for me. And I'm really thankful for this opportunity to think about prayer so intentionally, because I haven't thought about prayer for years I know I pray in my head and in my heart, but do I pray in that position that feels so reverent and private and closed and dark? No, I don't want that. No, thank you. That's, that's not the way I want to feel about God. I don't want to feel lonely and isolated. I don't want to feel like my prayers are such a secret. And that's the way prayer can feel for a lot of us. Like, when do you pray the most? When you're in a desperate situation, when you are scared, when you're worried, when you're traumatized, when your marriage is about to break, you know, when you are stressed about your children, when you're deprived of sleep from studying, when you want to pass boards, when you want to get into medical school, that's when you pray, right? Um... (laughs) So I have really thought about what is prayer for me. And for the last, I would say, um, since I was pregnant with my first child, prayer to me has become all about community. To me, prayer means community. And my answers to prayer, that is community. Community answers my prayers and my prayers become community. And what I mean by that, and I thought about it, I thought, what Bible verse could I quote or read that would really support this feeling that I have about prayer, that it's all about community, which is why I said, squeeze in, this is community. God wants us to pray with each other and at each other. That's what I have felt. And, and, I, and I think um, what changed for me so much... Um, If I think of a a pivotal moment for me when I felt like God and prayer, to me, felt like such an isolating experience, uh, my husband and I decided to move to New York City in 2007, and it was because a pastor of ours invited us to put all our stuff in his truck. And we said, "Why why should we move to New York? He's like, well, you love people, you don't have kids, and you don't have, and you have mobile jobs. We're like, okay, let's try it for a year. So we tried it for a year, and we loved it. And what did we love about it the most? What did I love about it? I loved feeling like I had a witness to my life at every given moment. And it wasn't because I was engaging with every single person that passed me on the street. It was feeling their breath on the subway, the smell, the the feeling of like, wow, all these people are coexisting at the same time. And When we came back nine years later to Inland Empire and we were living in this huge house and we had two cars again and, you know, I felt so alone. I felt so depressed. 
I, I would look out the window to see if I could spot someone. Nobody. Everyone just goes right into their garage, shuts the door, and then they go out of their car. You know, and I, I and my, my kids were, well, at the time we only had, um, Caleb was only two and a half and Na- Naomi was only five months, but he would always look out the window and he'd be like, where is everyone, mom? Where is everyone? Why isn't anyone outside? So I'd take him to the park. Well, here, nobody goes to the park. Everyone has a swing set in the backyard. <laughs> So we would go to the park, and he'd be like, why isn't anyone here? I'm like, I know, Caleb. We will find people. Let's go to the, let's go to the library. <laughs> you know, let's go to public places where we might find some people and a diverse group of people, you know, not just Barnes & Noble. You know, we would go to the Highland Public Library. <laughs> um, but that was a very pivotal moment for me, like, Why do we feel so alone? Why do we feel so isolated? We're in our cars all day. We're in our house all day, in our backyard in the evening, you know. And I thought, it's because we don't see people all the time, you know. And we're not with people. We're not sitting next to them in a tight space uncomfortably and then relaxing and be like, oh, that's okay. If you stink, I'll I'll get off the next stop, you know. Um, So I, I, um, I thought about Jesus And I thought, was he really alone all the time? No. Why do you think he had 12 sidekicks with him 24-7? What a great idea to have disciples. You always have an entourage wherever you go. Whenever you're in this tough situation, you have friends. You know, and I thought about all the moments when Jesus was living in community and offering community as the answer to people's prayers. I don't think about him coming into a room with sick people and saying, I'll be praying for you. Hope you feel better. No, he was right there. He stayed with them. He held them. He cried with them. And when I thought of all the memory verses that I grew up with, because my dad was always like, you gotta, you gotta know the scriptures, you know? And, um, Growing up, my theme in our household and, in, and my favorite memory verse was 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18. It was like a three-step motto to my life. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That was what we were, I was always chanting in my everyday life, and I remember I was still chanting that in college. But I think about where in the Bible does it talk about community? I, I was really looking for this scripture, like, since you texted me. <laughs> I'm like, is the Bible going to back me up that prayer is all about community? And I found it finally. I found it yesterday. <laughs> it's in James 5.16. And I was reading all kinds of versions of this memory verse because of this Bible verse. And my favorite was the Message Bible because it makes it more relevant to my life and to yours. It says, make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. And what I love about it is saying it is so important to confess to each other. When I'm talking to God, I feel so alone. But when I'm talking to a friend, I feel so not. And I feel 
free to say, this is who I am. This is what I'm struggling with. You might think I look happy on Instagram, but really I'm not, you know. And I think that that's what God intended. Why do you think he put so many people on this earth, you know? Why do you think he started by making sure that Adam felt lonely and something was missing? Because we need each other. God needs us to answer each other's prayers. But you can't answer each other's prayers if you don't know what each other's prayers are, right? If you don't know what the person next to you is struggling with, how empty is that going to feel? You know, you, if, you, if you come to church and everything feels so peachy keen and you don't know a single story of anyone that you encountered on Sabbath at church, how empty can that feel? If you really go home and think about it, you know, and we took our family decided to take a year off of church. We did it very intentionally. We took one year off of church and we did that because I felt every time I came to church, I felt stressed because I was trying to get us all looking right and ready. Let's go. Let's come on. Come on. Come on. How many of you feel so relaxed when you're getting in the car to go to church? <laughs> especially if you have kids to get ready, right? Do you feel relaxed? Or are you yelling and screaming, get in the car, we're going to be late, you know? Let alone if you're teaching Sabbath school and you're taking your kids. <laughs> it's not an easy um, thing to do. Um, but we've, we'd really decided that we needed to slow down and we just needed to be together. And that's why we took a whole year off church. Who takes a sabbatical from church for a whole year? and not feel bad about it. <laughs> we do. Um, but we did that because we wanted to have community at home and hear each other's stories from the week that we didn't hear during the day, um, really be in conversation. And some people might think it's crazy. How can you be in conversation and in community with a two, four, and six-year-old? Actually, you really can. Um, and we just started going back to church, and our kids are like, I don't want to go to church. Our two-and-a-half-year-old is saying that. He is crying every Saturday. I don't want to go to church. And I asked him, I said, Ben, why don't you want to go to church? <laughs> because there's too many people. <laughs> and I said, wow, too many people, but... People are so important, Ben. People, if, if you know people, they will know you. Do you want them to know you, Ben? He's, yeah. And so I realized after having a whole year of no church and just having home life, church is still important because that's where the people are, right? That's where the people are. But when we decided to go back to church, we decided... We need to be intentional about it. I don't want it to be where we go in and then we go out. I don't want it to be where we just volunteer and then we go home and relax, you know, or recoup. I really want it to be where we know people's stories at church. And I think that's what we've forgotten to do when we're with people, when we're with God's people. Are we listening? Are we paying attention that that person is actually smiling with tears in their eyes, you know? 
family life is not an easy life. Raising children is not easy. It is stressful. It is not um, always Instagrammable. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think that God really calls us to a life of authenticity. And in order to be authentic, you have to be vulnerable. But who wants to be vulnerable? It's hard. It's not easy to be vulnerable. But the moment you are, the moment you say, oh my goodness, I don't know if I'm going to make it another year in this marriage. I don't know if I can do it. If you, tell some, if you just tell some one person that, that one person might say, actually, we're in the middle of a divorce. Oh, I had no idea. You know? And I, I think that if you can really think about creating community in your life through prayer, your prayer life is going to be a whole nother ball game because you'll have more things to pray about for someone else than just yourself, you know? Um, and I feel that God has become much, much more real to me through his people than me just having a single one-on-one session with him. Um, there's a book that I bought one year because I want to, to attend the retreat for it. And this was back in New York, and there was a retreat upstate, and it's by Anne Lamott. I don't know if any of you have read any books by Anne Lamott. She's so great. But this is called Help, Thanks, Wow, and it's the three essential prayers. And she talks about her prayer life. She grew up Jewish. Um, and in it, she says, Prayer can be motion and stillness and energy all at the same time. It begins with stopping in our tracks or with our backs against the wall or when we are going under the waves or when we are just so sick and tired of being cyclically sick, cyclically sick and tired that we surrender. Or at least we finally stop running away and at last, long last, we walk or lurch or crawl towards something or someone. Or maybe miraculously, we just release our grip slightly. Prayer is talking to God or someone or something or anything with which we seek union, even if we are bitter or insane or broken. Prayer is taking a chance that against all odds and past history, we are loved and chosen and do not have to get it together before we show up. My belief is that when you're telling the truth, you're closest to God. If you say to God, I am exhausted, or if you say to your neighbor, I am exhausted and depressed beyond words, and I don't like you at all right now, and I recoil from most people who believe in you, that might be the most honest thing that you've ever said. God wants us to be honest with him, and he knows. He knows everything already, so why do you always have to tell him? Why not tell your neighbor? Why not tell the person that sits next to you at church? So prayer is sometimes our real selves that are trying to communicate with the real God, with the real truth. It's just my runny nose. <laughs> Thanks. Um, it's us reaching out to be heard, hoping to be, f- hoping to be found by a light and warmth in the world instead of darkness and cold. So with that said, I just want to end with James 5.16, my new favorite verse. Make this your common practice. 
Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and hearted. I think if we can all make that our practice, our relationship with God, wow. And our prayer life, it's going to be so relevant. It's not just going to be robotic. Amen? Amen. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Rosemary, for your words today. I feel like we need a part two (laughs) to hear more from you. Um, As she said, I think perhaps today we can practice James 5.16. Perhaps we can, instead of having uh, private individual prayers, perhaps we can do a community prayer where... Maybe we can just be in a circle and, I don't know, try out being vulnerable and praying to God. And so at this time, would it be possible for us to make a circle and, yes, just try it? Can we, can we try? Two groups? Groups of four? Okay. All right, let us uh, divide into groups of four. And um, person that you feel most comfortable to be part of that community, your inner circle. And um, let's try praying out to God together. And there's also some things that we would like for you to pray at the same time in your prayer. Uh, If you can look at the screen, there's some things that 